stand by while NCLA cuts through the noise to signal abuse of administrative power. This is Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchione. Welcome back to Administrative Static. I remember the name of the program this time, John. Excellent. (laughs) Uh, We are... Well, uh, we are here to talk about uh, a, an important case coming up at the end of the month, uh, John, uh, th- uh, that uh, NCLA has been working on for a long time. Um, one of the first cases that was that was ever brought, uh, really, uh, at NCLA, and, and, certainly in our and first plus year. in a number of iterations. Right? Yes, that's right. That's right. We uh, we've been so this involves the bump stock ban, and the case now at the Supreme Court is called Garland v. Cargill. It's had it's had very many different names along the way, because every time the attorney general changed, we had to change it. So it was Cargill v. Whitaker and Cargill v., you know, we, we had Barr and Cargill v. Uh, um, uh, Sutton, I guess, right? Or maybe right. At, at originally, but uh, in any event, it's now Garland v. v. Cargill because we won this case uh, on banc at the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, 13 to 3. And now the uh, the Department of Justice and the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms have appealed it uh, to the U.S. Supreme Court, and the oral argument will take place on February 28th. So I thought maybe what we might do uh, today, John, ahead of the argument is sort of give people some thoughts on things to look for if they're going to tune in uh, to the oral argument, things that they might expect to hear or not hear, or what different things the justices might say that might uh, might lead people to think that there's uh, that they're thinking about certain issues in the case or other issues in the right. case. And let's just remind people, this is the bump stock was a, uh, a regulation that was put in um, after the shooting in Las Vegas, and Congress was moving to ban bump stocks st- statutorily, and it was short-circuited by a administrative rule that said that bump stocks are now machine guns, even though, and this is the part that drives me nuts, everybody who bought a bump stock for 20 years got a certificate from the ATF saying that this is a legal product. (laughs) So it's not even that it was legal or not legal. You actually got a certification from the administrative agency saying it was legal. And then they made a regulation saying, if you keep this this, this item that we had you buy and said it was legal, you will be a criminal now for your whole life. You're so, a felon, and it's a ten-year prison sentence. Right. John. So that's that's what what's occurred here, um, and so that's going to be the issue before the Supreme Court. And as Marco and I always say, this isn't a Second Amendment issue. Uh, there was no law passed, and I don't even you know think th- that these are in. I mean, I don't think everyone gets a bump stock, but in any event, there um, were five hundred thousand of them right. sold. So, so you know, half right. a million people out there were felons overnight as a result of of a regulatory agency changing the definition of a machine gun. So the issue is going to be whether or not, as many of our cases, whether or not AT... They can just change the definition of machine gun. That there is a statutory definition of. That's it. right. That's right. And there's two terms that are that are. Uh, uh, but before I get into those two terms, I just wanted to say quickly, John, that uh, as as someone who was born and raised in Kansas City, and as you know, huge Kansas City Chiefs uh, fan, uh, the the shooting that took place at the Super Bowl parade is something I take very personally. It's horrific that someone died uh, in that in that shooting. 
congratulations to to the police and the bystanders who tackled some of the uh, some of the suspects and were able to prevent uh, more damage from happening. But you had, uh, I think it was 22 total people injured. You had more than half of them were children. I think there were nine nine people admitted to the hospital at Children's Mercy Hospital. And you know, it's just a uh, you know, th- thank goodness that that it wasn't worse than it was. Um, there was no bump stock involved there, uh, but these mass shootings continue uh, to occur. And uh, I just want to to let our listeners know that uh, NCLA doesn't. You know, we're we're an organization that takes a position about the right way of doing things, what the administrative law is about something, and so. If we were legislators, some of us might vote for a legislative ban, some of us might not, uh, but all of us agree that this is something that the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms can't do on its own, which is, by the way, what Senator Dianne Feinstein said at the time. She was a senator from from California. She um, uh, had legislation that was that was pending to ban bump stocks and some other things, by the way. And it was completely derailed when this uh, administrative rule came down uh, from ATF. And she said, well, wait a minute, this is never going to stand up in court because your theory is that a bump is different than a pull of the trigger. And that's a ridiculous theory because uh, she understands the way that, that guns work, to her credit. And she came she came to fame by being in the middle of a shooting. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. They, they, uh, a deranged guy shot the head of the San Francisco Council, and she stepped in, and that's how she came to fame. She was, she was, uh, yeah. That's that's the origin story for Diane Feinstein. Oh, okay. I didn't I didn't realize that guns had played such a such a, a big role in her uh, rise Peter to Moscone, prominence. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, okay. go ahead. Yeah. So she, so she uh, certainly is someone who has taken strong positions on on guns uh, and gun control throughout the years. And she looked at this rule and said, you can't do it this way, guys. This has to be legislative. Congress has to be the one uh, who who does something like this. And that's really NCLA's position in this case. And that's why we say it's not a Second Amendment issue. We're not raising any Second Amendment claims. The government isn't asserting uh, any Second Amendment uh, aspect uh, to this case. The question really boils down to uh, as we were saying a minute ago, the definition of a machine gun. And there are two particular terms in the statute. Uh, and and maybe it's a little bit loose to say that ATF is re- redefining the meaning of a machine gun. They're using the statutory terms. They're just applying them to something that the statute was never intended to apply to. So the two terms uh, at issue are one is automatically, because uh, you have to automatically, uh, in order for a gun to be a machine gun, it has to automatically shoot more than one uh, bullet. Uh, with with every pull of the trigger, and then the second term is uh, you know, single function of the trigger. What constitutes a single function of the trigger? And our position is that with a semi-automatic weapon, whether or not there is a bump stock attached to it, the trigger resets for every pull of the trigger. Every time a bullet fires, the trigger has to reset, and that makes it different than a machine gun. The trigger doesn't reset in a machine gun. There's something called an auto sear that prevents the trigger from resetting, and so. The hammer just fires continuously in a machine gun, and and therefore you get a continuous uh, stream of bullets. The, the bullet feeds into the into the gun, and then it get, the bullet keeps getting hit by the hammer, so it just goes out automatically. I think is the word, right? Well, yeah. Well, and even in a semi-automatic, that portion of it is automatic. That's why it's semi-automatic because right. there is an automatic portion, which is the bullets being fed. Uh, the bullet's being kicked out after it's fired and a new bullet being chambered. That part is automatic, even in a right. semi-automatic. But what isn't automatic uh, is the, the 
you have to pull the trigger each time or bump the trigger, but the trigger moves, whether you call it a pull or a bump, the trigger moves the exact same distance each time and it resets each time that a bullet uh, is fired. So it's true that a bump stock uh, increases one's ability to do that more quickly, or at least uh, if someone's skilled in using it and has practiced using it, it can be, uh, it, it can accelerate the rate of fire. Although there are people who can just move their trigger finger super fast and and achieve a similar rate. Um, but you know, originally what bump stocks were for really was for people that have limited finger mobility. You know, if you have arthritis and you've been a shooter your whole life, you may not want to give up your hobby of going to the firing range. And so if your finger's too arthritic to pull the to pull the trigger or to pull it very fast, then what a bump stock allows you to do is just rest your finger on the extension ledge. And instead of sort of pulling with the, the finger, you push the trigger into your finger. You use your offhand and you support it on the underside of the of the forestock. And I'm pointing at John here, which I probably shouldn't do while I'm, while, <laughs> while I'm demonstrating this with well, my, with my it's, hands. It's, you'd be the, thrown out of school for doing a, 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 fake, a fake air gun like that, that's but I right. think we're okay here. John's usually the one who talks with his hands, but, 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 but to me, uh, but today it's me. So anyway... Well, it's hard to do this argument it without is. doing that. It is. So, you know, but you put your hand uh, under the forestock of the rifle, and then it's a manual operation. That's why I think it's so funny that the government's trying to say that this is automatic, because you literally have to push with your hand away from you on the underside of the rifle, simultaneously pull back on the gun with your trigger hand. So you're pulling back on the hunt gun with your with your trigger hand. You're pushing forward on the forestock, or it could be a foregrip if it's the kind of gun that has a foregrip uh, with your with your offhand, and then you're keeping your finger stationary. And you have to do that for every shot fired. So it's not it, it it's not the same sort of rat a tat tat you have with with machine gun. Uh, it it can be rat tat tat tat. I mean, it can be very quick, but you have to do it. You have to sort of do this seesawing motion. Uh, maybe seesawing isn't the best word, but this sort of back and forth, back and forth pulling uh, motion, and you have to overcome the the um, the kickback, uh, you know, the recoil of the gun each time because when you fire the bullet, the whole gun tends to push back into your uh, into your shoulder, and you have to overcome that with your offhand and push forward on the fore part of the but, rifle. But when we get to the question, so one thing that's not here is Chevron. The, yeah. the court has not has the the government has not asserted Chevron in this case. They're saying the words mean X. We're saying the words mean Y. So the question is going to be, what does automatic mean, as Mark just explained, and then what is a single pull of the trigger? Right. What's well, a single function of the trigger? And and we we think it's this fact that the that the trigger resets each time. The government's view is that that once you you pull uh, the first time that that starts this sort of automatic cycle. And, and frankly, if you have, uh, if you had a bump stock that had a, a, a coil, a spring in it, like the original Aikens uh, did, there was a-, a Aikens Accelerator. Aikens Accelerator did have a bit of that sort of, you, you, you pull it once and, and then you kind of get the spring uh, starting a, a motion, but that's not the way that these uh, other kinds of, of bump stocks works. And we're, we're almost out of time, but I just want to say also, listen for the rule of lenity issue because- that was a big deal at the Fifth Circuit. The reason we won 13 to 3 was because almost half the judges or half the judges bought our argument on the statutory definition, but there were then additional five votes saying, look, on a close question, the rule of lenity dictates that you have to interpret 
a, a statute with criminal penalties in favor of the criminal defendant. And so that's what the Fifth Circuit did here. So listen for that at oral argument as well. We might hear the court go down that road. 